Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone, to another amazing episode of Market Impact Insights. You know, in my book, The Impact Makers, I talk about creating an innovation culture being a really important aspect of exceptional leadership. And sometimes innovation happens in some of the most unlikely places. And there are mature markets, large markets that are stimulated for further growth by new technology innovation. Do you think about uh, artificial intelligence, we're seeing that really change the fabric of our lives. And this is true in even industries such as construction, which is a huge, massive market. It's a $10 trillion global market projected to grow another $4 trillion by 2037. And technology is playing a role in terms of how greater efficiency and effectiveness happens in terms of construction projects, in terms of labor management within that. We're going to explore this exciting area of innovation and leadership with Brett Grendahl. Uh, Brett has a long and successful background in and around the construction space. He had founded a multi-million dollar commercial mechanical contracting company, and he is now the founder and CEO of Build Data, which is redefining construction, labor, workforce, collaboration, and management, and bringing the power of artificial intelligence and technology in to really transform how construction projects are done. So really excited to jump in and have this conversation with Brett. Welcome to Market Impact Insights. Oh, Dan, it's awesome to be here. Thank you. So uh, kind of looking back at your your history, again, you've been in and around uh, this market, but what specifically sparked your interest to really drive innovation, to improve knowledge transfer within construction organizations? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I grew up around construction as a kid. My dad was a contractor. My uncles were contractors. So it was around me from from a super young age. And uh, but when you get into the topic of knowledge transfer, uh, some of that starts with my mom, who was a school teacher. But it really got sparked in college when I had an internship at the 3M uh, Business Lab. And I showed up and um, the founder of that, uh, Ted Stotler, was uh, embarking on some pilot research into how does knowledge transfer happen within organizations. And that lit a fire within me that has has always been with me in all my work pursuits. And then when I got back into construction in 2013 and started up my commercial contracting company, that's where I found myself back in uh, the construction space, managing uh, projects and managing people. And, and that's really where it, uh, it started for me that, um, on that question, yeah. Yeah, and I think for, for those of us that aren't maybe as close to the inner workings of what, what goes on in, in these major commercial construction projects, it, obviously a lot of moving parts, 
Uh, there's the people factor along with materials and then just overall project management. But if you think about today, so much uh, happening in terms of um, the world uh, economy and uh, supply chain, et cetera. But Brett, what makes it even harder today to manage the, let's go into the human factor, the labor within construction projects today? Uh, pretty much everything about construction. You know, if you think about construction, uh, somewhere along the way, somebody has uh, an idea of uh, maybe a building they want to build for a particular need. And you have all the designers and the owners and everybody coming together to finance it and and get together designs that now we're going to send off into uh, the construction contractors who are going to make this become physical reality. And there are so many aspects of that. There are so many different trade disciplines when you start to talk about the craft laborers. And then... They all are showing up and they're all organized for a one-off project. It's never the same group of people every time. So it's not like, you know, if you take a, let's say a manufacturing facility and the labor um, that works there, they're showing up at the same place every day. They're maybe saying the same people, the same culture and norms of that group of people start to be cemented where none of that exists. All that is a one-off on all these projects. And um, so to manage the labor you know, if you think of it from the perspective of what I know from being a laborer and hiring and managing and training and, and all that goes along with managing labor, um, you know, they're, they're there to work with their hands and take instructions and make them physical reality. And then they're doing it side by side and amongst others where um, it might be collaborative in a sense in an instance, or maybe it's almost competitive in the sense that they're trying to compete for the same space where they need to work. So there are just so many factors that it's really, as a manager, um, really hard to understand and, and really truly connect to drive production and performance. Yeah, you brought up something there, which is really interesting, which is the just that changing uh, turnover in terms of the crew that might be working at any given point in time, right? And, and that it's constantly changing. And for leaders uh, that are used to really investing in building these deeper relationships with their team, but their team is consistent, right? That's a little bit more of a known quantity day in, day out, week to week, month to month. But what you're saying here is that if you're supervising the crew, that's not necessarily the same collection of people given Absolutely. point in time, that's got to be really hard to just be handling that, that change in that mix. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a great example of that uh, would be just think of a construction project and you have a general contractor who's really managing and coordinating all the trade contractors, those that come in like the, you know, HVAC and plumbers and electricians and roofing contractors and on and whatnot. And so the general contractor puts in place this superintendent who's on site and their job is to coordinate that. But the changing makeup of those, the, the actual real people that show up every day is changing on them all the time. And they, they don't necessarily have direct control on it. So they are highly reactive in, in so many aspects of that. Now, are there some common mistakes uh, or challenges that you see some of the leaders making when it comes to their approach to construction, labor, and project management. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see quite a few. Um, one immediately that comes to mind is just think on the ground level. 
Um, this is a few years back in my construction company, and, and we were doing a, a new apartment building uh, with a grocery store underneath ground up construction. It's winter time, and, and every so often I'd like to show up in the morning with my crew um, to see what's going on. And so you'll picture there's probably 40 or 50 men and women showing up outside this project to be led in by that general contractor superintendent. And I just witnessed this individual just, you know, uh, not do anything to motivate. And it was really just more like you're here, get to work sort of mentality. That's not literally what he yeah. said, but, and I was listening to this and I was talking to my foreman later saying, you know, if that individual just showed up with a little more gratitude to, you know, Hey, thank you all. It's early morning. It's cold out here. We have a lot of work to do. I'm here to support you. Maybe even had um, some coffee or something. Um, just, how that sends people off into their day. I and I see that a lot. And then I think also other mistakes are, um, you know, those that are a little further remu removed, like the project managers and executives. Um, there's really a lack of a feedback loop, positive or constructive feedback loop to, to labor. So you really, the laborers themselves, I think in many ways, um, they go through a lot of their day thinking, does anybody care? about what I'm doing and they do, but they're just not getting proper feedback. Yeah. And by the way, that feeling of just being a cog in a big machine, uh, we see that even in outside of construction, of course, in any sort of company environment, whether you're in product service, where it's easy to fall into that, that mental state. Sometimes uh, you're in a large company, how am I really making a difference? Is anyone really listening to me? Uh, do I have a voice? So you're really talking about some very common things, really, that, uh, again, get back to exceptional leadership, exceptional leadership, certainly a servant leadership that puts others first. You probably are going to be more aware or sensitive to the importance of motivating and inspiring. But oftentimes leaders that are into more of the command control model, right, they're, where it's more about themselves, they're kind of oblivious to all that. I, I think so. And, and, you know, in, in, in the realm of construction too, I think, you know, there's a, a systemic part of that, which is these construction projects, it's organized chaos at the job site and, and everybody's trying to move their peg forward as far as the production that they need to do. And there's just always challenges happening because uh, of just the nature of the combination of people and players that show up. So I think they're so reactive that you just lose sight of the fact that, you know, those, those qualitative things in the human side is extremely important, important to drive, you know, good group performance and group individual, or I mean, good uh, individual performance as well. Now, is there a role for education and coaching within all this? How, how do you see that playing out? That's a huge role. And if, and if you think in this, in the construction space and, you know, we're talking a lot about with the labor side and what happens in, you know, through time, how do people learn a craft is through a master and apprentice relationship. And, and that is the direct result of education and coaching and, and part of it being a great master to a new apprentice is, is, is teaching that individual these concepts, but through multiple instances of it. You know, you might be you might be installing a, a specific piece of equipment and you need to see that in maybe different projects because there's going to be different variables and you're going to have to learn that, well, how do I do this? You know, when this little part of the variable is a little different and that coaching and training is really important. 
as well as you know what are that's a great career these uh these craft laborers they have if they put their energy into it and they really want to learn um it's a great career for them and there's a lot of places they can go and and so you know if they have that void of not having that proper education of coaching is primarily just in the the immediate but also how does this relate to where can I go in my career um it's really important and I think it just really gets missed by a lot of construction organizations primarily because either they're just not spending some time there or they're just such reactive mode to the day's problems so if we're trying to get out of pure reactive mode and get into maybe a more proactive state now we, we look at technology and, and the opportunity for transformative impact. Where do you see AI coming into playing an impact here? How do you see that reshaping the future in construction? I think we're at one exciting time for the construction industry, primarily because of the advent of AI and its maturity now as a technology as where I mean, we just can't get away from it. It's just coming at you all day long um, from all over the place. And in construction here, I think it's this human and machine um, confluence of, of what we can do because construction is so fragmented. You know, every project is this one-off project and players come together, like we said, and then they disperse and then they mix again. And, and there's just a lot of knowledge that these individuals have and that's happening at job sites that's not getting collected. And it's then it can't get disseminated and definitely at scale. And I think where AI is going to come into play is we're going to build this more collective consciousness and get it digital which means that we're going to maybe be able to drive better coaching and training and and awareness of what's actually going on at the job site and spread that awareness through the whole chain of people from the laborers all the way up to the top executives. And I think what's going to happen too is more so it's going to drive when laborers hit issues and they need information and decisions made, I think the support that's going to start to happen is really going to have huge impact with with what we can do. So I'm extremely excited about this point in time, uh, specifically in the construction industry because of AI. I mean, we see this across the board in, in a wide range of different industries where AI is starting to have an impact that there's excitement with the possibilities, but at the same time, there seems to be an undercurrent of fear and trepidation, Brett, a little bit in yeah. terms of, hey, is is my job even going to change or am I going to be out of a job? Uh, is my job no longer going to be necessary because there's going to be this bigger brain that, that kind of controls and does that? Do you see that, that undercurrent uh, starting to rise? Yeah, I immediately started just thinking the demographic changes, you know, as we have the digital natives growing up and, and moving into careers and, and you're starting to see that. And I think because they just think about information differently um, than those that grew up before, you know, we had all these new tools and it just was commonplace. And I think, yeah, like I'm thinking specifically in construction because of the chain of communication amongst managers um, there's a lot of people that are mostly just relaying information up and down the chain or across the chain where I think a lot of these things are going to change. However, especially in the world of construction, you know, AI is not going to grab a pipe wrench and put two pipes together. 
Uh, it's not going to grab a sledgehammer and demo a wall. So these physical aspects are still going to occur. Uh, we might be aided differently in technology. And, and so, I, yeah, there's a, definitely a mix up. But I think, you know, through all these technological, just different eras that we've gone through, it seems like there's just new new roles that pop up that we can't even imagine yet. But I still, I, what I always think about it in that type of question is just, this massive generational change. I think I watch my kids. I see how they, you know, synthesize information so faster. It's just, it's just an exciting time. Yeah. All you have to do is just go back even 30 years ago, compare, go to any major social interactive event. Maybe it's a sporting event. Maybe it's out in a shopping mall, retail, wherever large numbers gather. And if you compared the body language and behavior then to today, where you see so many heads down and totally <laughs> entranced with their small mobile device, right? Brett, is it, it's like yeah. different kind of dynamic, isn't it? Because of just the availability of real-time content data yeah. in these uh, devices. It's just, but well, it's changed our behavior. Yeah. And I, I immediately think back to in my in the beginning of my construction company when I started that up and I, I had a couple of uh, new hires and uh, they were both coming right out of college. And, and what was weird to me was two things. I had a brand new printer that sat in a box that for a long, long time. And I kept saying to these two, hey, you know, we have a brand new printer there. And they just didn't care to use it because they want information digital. And then the other part would be I would be talking to them. And while I'm talking to them, they're just on their phones. And it took me, and at first I was kind of off put thinking, are you not listening? But what I realized, and these were really smart, driven people, they were already searching stuff on their phone, augmenting what I'm already telling them. And that's where Mm -hmm. I just, Mm -hmm. they think differently. And I had to adjust my understanding to that social behavior, uh, which was just different. It it is. Now you have been very entrepreneurial in terms of your path and you've founded companies and leadership inside of a young company to set culture and really set the tone is so critical. From your perspective, what do you think truly separates exceptional leadership from just good enough? Yeah, and you're correct. Those are that's a lot of what I've done, and and I think exceptional leadership. And you touched on it at the beginning. Is that in my firm belief is is that servant leadership that that you know real leaders people want to follow them, and they want to follow them not because they're being told, because they're inspired, and they that exceptional leader has done a good enough job to. You know, sometimes it's they've been where that you know person is that they're that they're leading, and they can lead through example by that. But also, maybe they haven't, but that's why they have some people. But they're really looking to how do we as a group move forward, and really, what do you need from me to help you perform well? And really, it's it's so much on that personal human level. Where I think, you know, good enough leadership is, ah, yeah, we're just trying to look at, you know, the quantitative side of things, the metric side of things. And here's what I need you to do. Um, maybe they don't even explain why. 
you know, and, and I think exceptional leaders do a real good job of beating the drum of what we're up to, why we're doing, what's your role, you know, where are we going and, and really serving them. I think it really does come down to that. And you see it. I think it, you walk into an organization and you will know uh, what type of leadership is, is there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is very compelling when you think about uh, focusing uh, and, and placing team success ahead of individual success. It's a, it's a really, really critical uh, dynamic. It's a separation point and it's a mindset and it's an intentional approach. Uh, you have to want that to be the case uh, and be very intentional about it. Now, throughout your business journey, Brett, you've obviously uh, counseled, you've led lots of people. I want to flip the script and ask you, what's the best piece of business advice you have ever received? Oh, uh, yeah, that. And I wish I could remember which one of my mentors gave this to me. And he said at one time, this is years and years ago, and I didn't totally fully appreciate it at that time. I knew what he was saying, but he was saying that the best contracts collect dust in a drawer. And really what he meant by that is that if you, and I think a lot because of construction and there's a lot of contracts between everybody and there's super many details about, you know, what needs to go on. But I think where he was going and was what I've learned from that is that, you know, if you have to now get, let's say you're a dispute or you're really trying to get, you know, between two people that are in a contract, what's going on and you have to go to the contract that's a that's a sign that there's been a breakdown in the human communication and and you know if 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 the humans are working through issues um proactively and collaboratively with the with the common goal in mind of like we're we're here to produce something that's why we're in this contract um we're here to do this together if you have to go to the contract there's been a big breakdown and and that salient advice i think really helped me a lot to think you know it's still at the end of the day, business is all about people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it, all back to that human factor again. And it just, the tools change, the technology changes, we evolve, but um, that the human dynamic um, really is enduring. So Brett, another aspect of leadership that I talk about in my book, um, which is the power of an optimistic mindset. When you think about the future, what makes you optimistic? Yeah, and I there's so much uh, negative things out there in the in the news. So I personally try to really be cognizant about first and foremost what I allow myself to even get in front of my eyeballs and, and go in my ears. But uh, I think we're just at a really exciting time. Um, you have this. I, I keep going back to this. Uh, the demographic change as we go to the the world of the digital natives because we're crossing it's, it's like a tectonic shift right once, our, once there's been an earthquake and the, the earth has been all rattled and stuff the the landscape changes forever it's not going back to what it had been before and that's what we're at because it's just the advance I, I look at my kids and you know they grew up and pretty much the internet was here and it's just this is part of life and and I think where this is taking us as human potential is fascinating. I mean, heck, we're sitting in there and we're we're talking about building on Mars, uh, and people are like, "Oh yeah, well, I think we're going to do that." I mean, that's just a wild statement, you know. And I was a pretty 
a big sci-fi buff as a kid and stuff. And it's kind of like, oh, I guess we're living in that future. And so, and I think the younger generation in, that's coming up and coming into age, the way they synthesize information, the way they think about information yeah. is wildly different. And I think we're just in an explosive time and I'm super excited to be here to watch it. I'm picturing all of those future construction projects on Mars, Brett. <laughs> There's a lot of opportunity there for sure. Yeah. 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 I, just, yeah. I just think of how far out in the field that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it, it definitely, it, it feels uh, less science fiction and more reality just in terms of a matter of time before we yeah. get there. So as we start wrapping up our conversation, Brett, do you have any other final advice for leaders that are looking to improve either the productivity or the performance of their teams. Uh, yeah, I think, and my mind as of these days is to, when you're beginning to communicate and everything, whatever it is, it's a small task. It's, it's one of your longer range visions. You really got to start off with where is that person now? And, and if you're going to drive productivity and performance, you have to understand where they're at. There's their real kind of state of being and and what does it take to to help serve them and and you can't lose sight of that and it's easy to lose sight of it just because of the day-to-day grind of everybody's uh, work but i think you need to keep that and you need to start to build habits for at least bringing that thinking in, into the forefront and that does uh wonders that is timely advice for sure brett thanks again for joining uh giving us real evidence of the transformation that is happening with AI and technology in markets, including construction and uh, a bright future ahead. Thanks again for joining. Absolutely. It's fantastic to join. And a reminder to everyone, please continue to help make this podcast better and better. You can do that by going out, rate and review. It's very easy to do. You can go out and Put your feedback in on Apple Podcast or Spotify, all the leading podcast platforms. And as always, make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.